It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. All righty, welcome to the show. It is kind of a weird one today. I will elaborate in a moment. First, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. And the show is made possible by patrons like... Eric, Loretta, David, Stephen, and NC38, Curtis, Sherry, Nick, Mark, and Eugene. Thanks again uh, for the support. I could not do the show without you. You're going to hear a lot of paper uh, paper rustling as well in this episode uh, because I am working with a just-purchased, I don't know what this thing is, a gamer microphone, I think, and... It has no windscreen on it because apparently when the operating system put out its update uh, this morning or last night, I guess it was yesterday because I had to restart my computer. So I wake up as I always do. I uh, log in and I, uh, I start working and I get my whole show ready and I'm like, wow, this is great. I'm so ahead. <laughs> I had worked so far ahead, I thought, that I said, this is going to be great. I might actually have some time this afternoon. I got the governor's press conference going to be going on. So uh, this is fantastic. And then I go to record and none of the microphone ports work on my mixing board. So whatever happened with that update that they pushed out it broke my my mixing board and yes I spent like an over an hour uh trying to well first thing I did was uh you know rebooted of course because you always reboot that's the first thing I did I rebooted and uh then I called my IT people or well I just have a guy it's an IT guy his name is Pete and he's just between you and me he's pretty terrible he doesn't really know exactly what he's doing it seems like he doesn't yeah, like he doesn't use any of the correct terminology for things. And anyway, so I'm like, all right, this guy isn't working out. Maybe in, in my engineer, maybe I should call my engineer. So I, I, I call him up and uh, his his name is Pete as well. He doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing either on some of this stuff. Definitely not uh, a guy that could probably get a job as an engineer at like a radio station or anything, but he works very cheap. So anyway, uh, after they failed, I uh, spent over an hour. I was re-downloading the drivers and the firmware and doing the updates. I even rolled back the update that was installed into the computer, and that didn't help. I called tech support from the manufacturer, but uh, this might surprise you. They're very busy today, and so I haven't talked to them either. So anyway, here we are, and I ran out to the Best Buy, and I bought a microphone. I don't even know the brand name. It's got some crazy design. I think it's like a gamer thing, like a streamer uh, microphone. So I know it sounds different. I apologize for that. I will never apologize, though, for telling you about General Equipment Rental. General Equipment Rental, they know how to use the tools that you need to do the job that you need the tool for. So if you are uh, looking to, you know, clear a bunch of land and uh, you've never done that before, but you know that you need the right tool, otherwise you're going to be out there, you know, uh, working with like a sickle or something or a machete and uh, kind of the, yeah, it's kind of like the the landscape equivalent of what I was doing with the board today. Um so, yeah, you need the right tool. So you need some people to tell you how to use the right tool. You get the tool and you get the expertise, the knowledge uh, at General Equipment Rental. They will walk 
through the operation of the tool with you, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, earth moving equipment or yard equipment. They've got all sorts of stuff, big tools and small tools. Oh, they also have the Husqvarna auto mower uh, for 10% off while supplies last. This is a great deal for uh, people who do not like to mow the yard. And so you just put this bad boy on the yard. It's got a little docking station. It maps the yard. And then uh, it just drives all around and mows your yard nonstop. So your yard is always uh, well-maintained. It's always at a good height. And it just takes a little bit off the top all over the place all the time. And if anybody tries to steal it, it has a GPS locator. So you can track uh, track the device down like immediately. And um, it becomes just a uh, paperweight. It just shuts down once it goes outside of the, the borders. If somebody tries to take it outside the borders of the uh, the yard. So uh, go check it out. It's the Husqvarna Auto Mower. Of course, General Equipment Rental is your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. Uh, and yes, you can probably hear all the papers and the cords moving around because this is like, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm like all, I'm covered in wires. They're all over the place. They're draped across the <laughs> the computer, across my papers. So I apologize for that, but I do not apologize for recommending General Equipment Rental in Weaverville, generalrents.com, and think outside your toolbox. Alrighty, so uh, first up, $30 million of federal money is going to be spent on expanding broadpan, uh, broadband internet into rural areas. And this has actually been one of the most popular issues that uh, candidates me- uh, mentioned in their races for office prior to uh, the November election last month. I can't believe I'm saying that. It's already December. Yeah, last month. So, like, everybody was about the broadband. It was such an easy uh, position to take, especially when you've got, you know, all of the uh, government schools shutting down and uh, the, the governors are saying you're going to have to teach your kids from home. Oh, but don't worry. We're going to, uh, you know, do it remotely with the teachers from the schools. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry, like Western North Carolina. is like less than half of you with high-speed internet. <laughs> so for folks who aren't aware, like, yeah, you come out to the mountains, you'll see these signs all over the place. They're almost like they're one step above handwritten signs. And they are uh, for all sorts of, you know, satellite internet and that sort of stuff because it's just this stuff isn't wired out here. So um, everybody was jumping on board with this as a campaign promise. And, you know, honestly, this is a very difficult uh, area. Western North Carolina is, but there are places all over the state, down east as well. It's difficult to run the wires to. So um, this was, uh, you know, federal money that was coming through via the COVID relief package, the CARES Act money, and the General Assembly in North Carolina Uh, included the expansion of broadband in that package. So they got all this money from the feds and they were like, let's expand broadband access because you got all these students that can't get online. Now, to me, that makes sense. And you can have your disagreements about whether or not they should have done the relief package in the first place or how much money and all that. But they did. And the General Assembly then gets access to this money and they say, look, if you're going to send everybody to online virtual schools, then we need everybody to be able to get online, you know. So the grants are meant to supplement an existing program that North Carolina already has called Growing Rural Economies Through Access to Technology, a.k.a. 
the great program, which I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty awesome to me. It's a great grant program. And uh, this was part of nearly a billion dollars that the legislature passed in September, part of this massive bill, and Governor Cooper signed it into law. But the deadline for the states to use that money is December 30th. All right, so what's the problem? Well, Governor Roy Cooper's administration says that they're concerned that federal guidance about spending the money does not allow the grant funding to provide the broadband service by that December 30th deadline. There are also concerns that the federal government would then take the money back, which I think this is really amazing. We have now finally found a spending program that Governor Cooper opposes. Um, so this now, oh, he, and he says we should have a bond. He he thinks we should have a bond for the broadband. Um, well, you got $30 million from the federal government And the state Senate, they believe that it can be used for this. In fact, they wrote a letter to the governor, and I have it here. Seventy broadband providers have actually submitted grant applications. Dozens are expected um, to get awarded uh, imminently with this grant money. But uh, the Cooper administration pulled the funding. And so the uh, General Assembly sent this letter that says, We respectfully write regarding reports that the Office of State and Uh, or state budget and management has notified North Carolina broadband providers of its intent to eliminate $30 million from the great rural broadband grant program. This news surprised us in a bipartisan decision back in May of 2020. The legislature appropriated $9 million for this purpose, and the executive branch awarded these funds. In September, we again appropriated $30 million for the GREAT program. In another bipartisan vote, the executive branch has not previously expressed reservations about that program. Um, The General Assembly Uh, closely reviewed all relevant federal guidance and determined that the program is eligible. And the Pew Charitable Trust also reported this week that a number of states have used CARES Act funding to expand broadband. For these reasons, we respectfully request that you amend OSBM's initial determination on this matter and fully fund the program. Right. So there are already um, states that are getting this money and using it for this purpose. And uh, we have already done this before. So why the sudden change of opinion? Now, I know that Governor Cooper wants to run a bond, but I do find it interesting that for a uh, for a governor like Cooper to have spent so much time over the last four years, actually longer now, five years, um, you know, calling for the expansion of Medicaid, saying, look, this is federal money. Why shouldn't we just take it, you know? And now he's like, well, I don't know if we should take this federal money. We may not be able to afford uh, if they try to take it back. You mean like in virtually all federal programs like that? I I just I find it interesting that these arguments that he has never uh, suffered nor agreed with before, he has never acquiesced to these arguments before when it comes to Medicaid or any other federal program spending. But now for some reason, broadband, $30 million of CARES Act money. Yeah, I'm not so sure. I, I, 
Yeah, I'm not sure as to what what prompted this. Now, State Senator Jim Perry thinks that the answer could be in documentation from uh, broadband companies making it clear that they can increase broadband capacity by the end of the year, which is the spending deadline. Okay, so we'll see what happens. I'm watching it because, I mean, it's a really big issue out in Western North Carolina as well as other rural parts of the state. Um, Next up, Chuck Schumer told party donors during uh, recent calls that the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the fact that Cal Cunningham couldn't keep his zipper up, that's a direct quote, crushed Democrats' chances of regaining the Senate. This is according to sources with direct knowledge of the conversations published by Axios.com. Democrats are hoping for a 50-50 split by winning two upcoming special elections in Georgia, but their best chance for an outright Senate majority ended when Cunningham lost in North Carolina and U.S. Senator Susan Collins won her race up in Maine. So during a recent donor call, I think this is pretty interesting, the minority leader lamented being unable to successfully recruit Stacey Abrams to run for a Senate seat in Georgia. Really? Yeah, apparently he uh, was trying to get Abrams and uh, Schumer acknowledged that he tried to recruit Abrams, but says she insisted Raphael Warnock was the right choice. (laughs) So wait a minute. Uh, You ran statewide. You to this day say that the only reason you lost was because the election was rigged. Kind of sounds downright Trumpian like that, but uh, the election was rigged against you. So that's why you lost the governor's race. And so when Chuck Schumer comes a call in and says, hey, you want to run for U.S. Senate, another, you know, statewide race, your response is, no, no, Raphael Warnock, he's your man. And now, of course, the rest of America is learning about Raphael Warnock and uh, some of the stuff he's been saying from his pulpit at his church in Atlanta and kind of crazy, kind of radical stuff. And not a lot of people, I think, were prepared for that. So he's got some issues. So does the other guy. What's his face? John Ossoff. He's got some uh, he's got some skeletons as well. Uh, But I, I find it interesting that she would turn this down. She would rebuff Chuck Schumer's advances. Why? Could it be she was angling for the vice presidential pick? Remember that she was she was she was in the running for that. There were a lot of people talking about her, um, you know, being named by uh, Joe Bri- uh, Joe Biden as the vice presidential pick. But and I remember there was one remember there was one appearance where they did. It was a joint appearance on like MSNBC. And the host was like, so is there anything you want to say to Stacey Abrams? And she's just like sitting there like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, this is happening. And Biden doesn't doesn't offer her the post and oh she's fantastic yeah she's great she's she's the future of the party or something like that and you could just see her you know deflation occur uh live on the air it was kind of sad actually but um i don't know like i i guess she she opted not to run for the senate seat for i don't know maybe Raphael warnock and she are friends it's hard to say now schumer also on this donor call said that he was um he regretted uh, recruiting Cal Cunningham. <laughs> that yeah, I'd imagine he would, um, and that he you know he couldn't keep his zipper up. Many thought that North Carolina would go blue uh, before news of Cunningham's affair surfaced. According to Axios, uh, Ginsburg, uh, the uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. Meanwhile, that 
uh, Susan Collins reshaped the debate about filling Supreme Court vacancies. This is what Schumer says. Now, uh, speaking of that race down in Atlanta, our very own Governor Roy Cooper is going to uh, be, uh, yeah, he's appearing. Well, I guess this is going to be a Zoom chat or something. It's going to be remote uh, and a remote appearance along with Governor John Bell Edwards, the Democratic governor of Louisiana. They're doing uh, a one o'clock Eastern uh, hit in support of John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock. It's a lunch event. So they're out there campaigning for these two Senate hopefuls in Georgia, which is interesting because maybe now some North Carolina media folks might be interested in asking Governor Cooper what his views are about some of the things that these people have said. Ossoff and Warnock, they've said and they're running as a team now, right? They're like they're they're. They're both in a runoff, and so they're having to run as a slate, basically, and um, which kind of makes sense because you want, you know, you're trying to motivate everybody to turn out and vote, and so they both represent sort of different factions of the Democratic Party. So uh, it makes sense to do so, but with Governor Cooper going out and stumping for these guys, it is completely appropriate to ask him to defend or whether he agrees or should he condemn certain things that these men have said that have now become political fodder in the races in Georgia. I'm just kidding. I know that's not going to happen, guys. It's not going to happen. I know that like if he were a Republican, yes, he absolutely would be held accountable for something that someone said, even if he wasn't going out there and stumping for these guys, even if he was simply uh, just, a, you know, there was another race going on and he was a Republican governor. They'd probably be asking him to defend things that somebody else said because they're Republican, too. But uh, Governor Cooper, being a Democrat, he gets to go and stump for candidates and never get asked to disavow or condemn any of the controversial things they have said. It's the beauty of being a Democrat. Now, speaking of beauty, you need your beauty rest. And that means you need a good mattress, and that means you need Mattress Man. Mattressmanstores.com, that's the website. Christy and I, we got our bed from Mattress Man years ago. It's a memory foam bed. We love it. And uh, I think my next uh, upgrade to the bed is going to be the adjustable base. And by the way, if you're thinking the same thing, like you'd very much like to be able to raise your feet uh, at, you know, to improve your circulation uh, or raise the head of your bed, to you know, cut down on the snoring and also get a better angle to watch television, um, then you can pick up a free adjustable base with the purchase of select mattresses at Mattress Man. You can also score a free box spring when you purchase a Biltmore mattress. These are the ones made by Restonic in Fayetteville. They're in the Biltmore Hotel and the Biltmore Inn uh, on the Biltmore grounds. You can also take advantage of the triple zero financing deal, zero down, zero APR for 24 months and zero payments for 90 days. Mattressmanstores.com, five-star local delivery service, and uh, they ship nationwide and they have a 120-day comfort guarantee. Mattressmanstores.com, buy local and sleep better. So the NCAE, the North Carolina Association of Educators, they, uh, they've been mobilizing and organizing to try to get lawmakers elected that are sympathetic to them and more aligned with their organization's views on public education. The NCAE, don't call it a union, union. This is a piece at Civitas, ncivitas.org, by Bob, uh, Bob Lubke and... Uh, He says, we don't yet have the spending totals from the November election, but he was curious 
uh, how they how, how did they do in the election? You know, they said they were going to change the players in the game. So how did they do? Preliminary estimates on election spending are instructive, he says, because we don't know the final totals at this point. <clears throat> but he says veteran teacher union watcher Mike Antonucci recently reported that the National Education Association, this is the NEA, which is the parent organization of the NCAE, the North Carolina uh organization. So the NEA had raised $23 million, almost all of which it passed along to its super PAC, which is called the NEA Advocacy Fund. So how big are NEA contributions? NEA ranks eighth in the nation among funding of outside groups. Of the $23 million spent, almost 99% went to benefit Democratic candidates. Antonucci reported that in mid-October, about 14 million went to congressional candidates in Arkansas, Georgia, Iowa, Michigan, New Mexico, New York, and North Carolina. Exactly. And he has all breakdown. He's got a chart. And by the way, you can get these links up at the Pete page. Uh, it's at the Patreon account. You can go to the PeteCalendarShow.com and you can get the link that's up there at the top uh, to get access to the prep sheet. NCAE endorsed candidates. Uh, won nine of 29 of the total races for the Council of State, statewide judicial races, and federal offices. Nine out of 29. <laughs> That's 31% of the races that they entered. Okay, so the NCAE entered 30 or entered 29 races, made endorsements, we must believe, supported them, organized for them, dumped a bunch of money into their races. And they had a 31% success rate. Two North Carolina congressional districts did flip, but uh, that was because of redistricting. Those two districts flipped Democrat because the maps got drawn to make it easier for Democrats to win. In fact, uh, they didn't even, the Republicans did not seek reelection. Moreover, of the 29 races listed, not a single incumbent Republican was defeated by a candidate that was endorsed by the NCAE. So for an organization that said it was going to, quote, change the players in the game and spent millions on, on elections, it'll be hard to find any NCAE members or supporters who are happy with those results. Well, it should be hard to find. I'm sure they'll do a pep rally or something that says, this is what we wanted. We totally wanted just nine out of 29 of our people to win. It's awesome. In other post-election analysis, and I'm using air quotes around analysis, Jenna Wadsworth, do you remember her? She was the Democratic candidate for the uh, agriculture commissioner race in North Carolina. She was the one who put out the video after Trump tested positive for COVID. And uh, she said, you know, like on a scale of super happy to really happy or whatever, uh, you know, what's your reaction to finding out that Trump got COVID? And she called it an October surprise. And then, of course, everybody was like, you know, it's really not cool to mock somebody for getting a communicable disease. Like that's, you know, if, you, if you're calling on people to be better public servants, then probably, you know, you shouldn't be celebrating when someone gets sick because they're your political opponent. And she was like, I don't understand why everybody is freaking out. Everybody needs to calm down. Like, I, you know, it's an October surprise. And what I meant, you know, an October surprise is just something that happens in October that could alter the trajectory of a race. And she's like going through this dissertation on what an October surprise means. That was her 
damage control effort. And everybody's like, it's the beef that people have with you is not about your use of the term October surprise. It's you're celebrating the sickness of a political opponent. Anyway, that Jen, that is Jenna Wadsworth. Okay, <clears throat> so here is her series of tweets uh, the day before Thanksgiving, I guess. It's hard to be thankful, she says, when you know North Carolina re-elected white supremacists and Confederate sympathizers. COVID-19 is on our minds right now, but don't sleep on the fact that racism is a pandemic and it's killed far more people in this country. Okay, this is the woman who ran for agriculture commissioner. Do Do you get a feeling like she's just trying to find any way to get into elective office? I do. She says, there's no vaccine on the horizon for that level of hate, for that sickness. You see what she's doing? She's like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. She's totally equating the pandemic to racism. And then she's just going with all of the analogies. The only cure is love and mutual respect. Is that the only cure for racism? Education, I think, probably might be part of it, don't you think? Yeah, or uh, maybe like... You get thrown together in a life or death situation with somebody and you have to rely on this person that like if you were total racist and now you got to rely on them to survive and then you learn something uh, because they they behave in a way that didn't fit your bigotry. Like, I don't know. I could think of a whole bunch of other types of cures besides love and mutual respect. Anyway, she says supporting people who knowingly perpetuate racist ideologies contribute to systemic inequality and to do nothing to advance equity in our society while they personally benefit from a broken system meant to marginalize others is not the way to heal America. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. What's worse is many of these folks are walking around without a mask long before you went to the ballot box to vote for them. They showed us precisely who they were. Like, oh, now she's gone back to the mask. So she's like all over the systemic racism. And that's like, just like not wearing a mask. Those those systemic racists, uh, they're the ones not wearing masks, too. She says, if you look the other way, if you looked the other way without calling them out for endangering entire communities who were already high risk and struggling to breathe. Get it? That I can't breathe. Yeah. Then you're part of the problem because you smothered any hope of recovering from this epidemic for many who are hurting and lack resources. The pulse of progress has slowed, but temperatures are rising the longer we have to wait to see black and brown lives treated the same level uh, with the same level of care as white ones. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. She's all over the place. But that was her post-election analysis. Apparently, She's very, very sad that um, I guess like most voters are racist, which is weird because like her opponent, Steve Troxler, the Republican, he got more votes than any other statewide candidate in North Carolina, which means he obviously got votes that uh, from people who also supported Roy Cooper, who also supported Joe Biden, who also supported any number of Democrats, just not her, (laughs) right? Like just not her. When you lose, when the agriculture commissioner gets more votes than you and other of your party mates, they get more votes than you and they ran statewide as well. And you're in a much lower ranked kind of office than they are. Then that's a you problem, Jenna. That's that's not a that's not a we the voters. We are all racist that that. That's not the case. See, and if you keep identifying the problem as everybody else and not you, then 
I don't know if you're ever actually going to be able to win that that elected office that you seem so covetous of. Um, if you are coveting some real U.S. military surplus, then go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. Yes, that is true. And it is open. The shop is open Monday through Saturday. He's got some military concertina wire that has come in. This is like the... Um, you know, the rolls of, uh, looks like barbed wire, uh, but it's a lot stronger. It looks like, you know, it's like razor wire. It's way stronger. And, um, this is like great if you're trying to, uh, outfit your, uh, your bug out location. Uh, also, uh, he has some limited edition survival outdoor kits. Uh, these are on the website, oldgrouch.com. Uh, these are listed as a Christmas special featuring high quality, uh, Swedish made Mora knife. Uh, he's got fire starters, canteens, compasses, and more. And it's all packed into your choice of either an ammo can or a shoulder bag. And the shoulder bag is actually a repurposed Finnish Army gas mask bag. It's really cool. So if you're looking for a unique gift idea, um, a you know survival outdoor kit, this is great. Sort of like a this can be a great foundation if you're trying to build a larger uh, you know prep kit. But uh, also if you just like to go on hikes and stuff, this is a great idea. Uh, for people who like to go on day hikes, because if you're going out into the woods, you need to be prepared. So go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde, where it's been for more than three decades. And remember, tell them that you heard it here on the Pete Callender Show. I appreciate it. Um, what else do we have? Oh, yes. Post-election analysis. This comes to us from the Charlotte Agenda. For folks who may not be aware, there is an area of town in Charlotte called Myers Park. Um, and full disclosure, when I first moved up to Charlotte from Rock Hill, South Carolina, uh, I actually lived in Myers Park. I rented like a really, really small apartment, and uh, it was at like a really old apartment complex. The walls were really thin, the floors, ceilings really thin. But anyway, uh, but it was nice because I could walk all around this neighborhood, and there was a pub. I think uh, I talked about this a, a week or so ago about the Selwyn Avenue pub that was shut down because of the COVID stuff. Anyway, well, because they were in violation because they were letting people stand at the bar uh, or at the bar tables, rather. They set up all their tables and people were standing, and that's not allowed. COVID uh, can attack when you're standing, but when you sit down, it's, it doesn't attack you. And so when they were letting people stand, they got cited for that. Anyway, um, Myers Park. And uh, this is an interesting story out of the Charlotte Agenda, I thought, by Michael Graff. Uh, but interesting, probably not for the reasons that Mr. Graff thinks. Anyway, 9 a.m., on the Friday after the election, church bells rang out all around Myers Park, as usual, and the Reverend Benjamin Boswell was outside talking about racial justice, as usual. You can put a Black Lives Matter sign in your yard and still be a racist, Boswell said. He is the pastor of Myers Park Baptist Church, which, by the way, a very progressive church. I think they actually got booted. From Anyway, we'll get to that. Um, he says it's been uh, or the, the article says it had been five months since Boswell joined more than a thousand people in what many believe to be the first racial justice protest to come through Myers Park, the most prestigious neighborhood in Charlotte and maybe the most prestigious in North Carolina. It had also been three days since the same neighborhood was one of the few in Charlotte to vote for Donald Trump. Now, normally this is where I would insert a uh, soundbite, but because of the uh, technical problems, I am soundbiteless today. So I don't even get to, uh, no rim shots. I get no dun, dun, dun. I don't get any of that today. 
I apologize. I blame my IT and engineer departments. Anyway, so here's the deal. Myers Park, this area, southeast Charlotte, they had a lot of people that turned out for a Black Lives Matter protest in June, and then this uh, this precinct, and that's what we're talking about, it's like a precinct, it went for Trump. And because of that, it's now turned into, the, well, the headline says, Myers Park cheered on a Black Lives Matter protest in June, then voted for Trump in November. So obviously here we are to draw the conclusion that these were all closet racists and <clears throat> they just don't want to be tagged as open racists. And so they went out and marched with the Black Lives Matter people, but then turned around and voted for Donald Trump because he's a racist and they're racist. See how that works? This is what the preacher says in the article. Boswell is his name. He says, they're just protecting their interests, their money, and their power. Gosh, it's just, it must be so helpful and really, I guess it just makes life a lot easier when you know what's in everyone's hearts and mind. Really, like, that's impressive. This preacher guy, he's got it going on. He can read people's minds. He knows why you didn't give enough money at the uh, donation collection. He knows why. He reads minds. He knows everything about you already. These are people he probably doesn't even know their names, but he knows why they do things. And maybe they don't even know themselves. We probably, I mean, like if I were ever going back to Charlotte, I would go to this guy's church because I would just be like, dude, you need to give me the lottery numbers. Read, read somebody else's mind and Give me the lottery numbers. I'll give some to the church. Of course I would. I'm not kind of, I'm a giver. Come on. I would give money to the church. Anyway, the protest was held on June 1st, one week after George Floyd died. I think that's kind of important. They hold the protest march on June 1st, a week after George Floyd dies. And then six months later, right, June, July, August, September, October. Yes, yeah, six months later, then this precinct votes for Donald Trump. And we're supposed to draw some sort of a conclusion here about the people who did this. Because in this story, the universe of Myers Park residents is a fixed number that hasn't changed. And they all went to the protest march and then they all voted for Donald Trump, even though that's not true. But that's the that's the vibe you get here. So. Um, he says, this is, you know, that walk that they did in June, that was just the latest step in a long process. You see, the protests really began in 2016 when Char a Charlotte Mecklenburg police officer, who I would feel the need to point out here, is black, shot Keith Lamont Scott, also black. This was captured on video. Scott was sitting in a truck. The cops were there to serve uh, a warrant on somebody in the apartment building. Scott was sitting in the parking lot. He was apparently waiting for the bus for his kids or something to get off the bus. Cops see him with a gun. They see or smell pot. And they're like, this dude is a danger. We're not sure what's going on. We're going to go instead of serve the warrant. We're going to go tell we're going to go interact with this guy. He then gets out of the car and has the gun in his hand and they tell him to drop the gun he refuses to drop the gun his wife is videotaping the entire thing saying he has a tbi he has a tbi a traumatic brain injury remember this story and he then raises the gun and they shoot and kill him i should say the black officer shoots and kills the black suspect this of course is proof of racism in charlotte systemic racism it is even affecting the black cop obviously right he's obviously now a racist too <clears throat> according to this line of thinking they cause the city to uh, 
to grip the fact that for all the wealth along the marches route, because they marched right through this Myers Park neighborhood, that there was an equal and opposite reality along strips of other parts of town, like Beatty's Ford Road and West Boulevard, right? So just as wealthy as this part of town is, there are other parts of town that are as not wealthy. Okay. For four years, organizations of all stripes held talk it out sessions and bridge the gap dinners. They raised thousands, millions in some cases to help with affordable housing and other initiatives. Boswell even started an anti-racism training program titled, quote, what does it mean to be white? (laughs) Which, by the way, the article never tells us whether or not Boswell is white or black. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. I just find it kind of hilarious that somebody is teaching a class on what it means to be white, like identity politics. You're going I mean, talk about bigotry. You're going to assume that all of these people, because they share one characteristic, one genetic characteristic, that that means they're all the same. There's a word for that, you know, and it's a little bit more forceful than than bigot. Just not for nothing. Anyway, um, now it was 2020 presidential election year and underlying the June protest was a not so subtle message. What is the not so subtle message? Glad you asked. I will tell you in a minute. First, I'm going to tell you about Growers Hemp. Growershemp.com. That's the website. Uh, Growers Hemp full spectrum hemp extract. I add it to my I have added it to my daily routine. I take a few drops before I go to bed and I sleep more deeply. It, It doesn't put me to sleep. Okay, it's not like a sleep aid like that, but uh, when I when I go to sleep, I'm out. And uh, to, for me, that's awesome because I've never slept like that in my entire life. I usually am tossing and turning. So what are you looking for? A better quality of life, a balanced state of mind, a positive mental outlook, immune system resilience, a deeper sleep like me, lower tension, growers hemp, full spectrum hemp extract, um, Go try it out. Go to growershemp.com. Use the promo code Pete and get 20% off. The best quality at a price that's affordable because Growers Hemp controls the whole process. From the seed all the way to the shelf, Growers Hemp maintains complete control. So you get the best for lower prices. This is all North Carolina farms and product. That's That's who's doing this. North Carolina farmers, okay, from their family farms to your bedside stand, or they have, uh, they also have like uh, balms and salves, so you can like topicals, so you can rub them into parts that are um, like people uh, use them for arthritis and such. Um, and they have lozenges as well. They've got a ton of different products. Go to their website, growershemp.com. Uh, also, as with all CBD products, here is the official disclaimer. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions interactions or other possible complications before using any product. So go to the website, learn more about the products, use the promo code PETE and get 20% off growershemp.com. Growershemp is about the hemp and not the hype. So the underlying um, not so subtle message, according to Charlotte Agenda, was uh, in these this protest march back in June after George Floyd was killed, was if you were marching that day, if you were chanting Black Lives Matter, then you were voting against Donald Trump. The president clarified that 
distinction as summer wore on, attacking the phrase as a terrible name, which, by the way, it is, uh, and saying the organization is bad for black people, it's bad for everybody, end quote, which also it is, by the way. Um, So I I do find this, like, you know what this Charlotte Agenda author's agenda is, do you not? But I find this quite the admission. Finally, we have somebody admitting to what we all suspected early on in the Black Lives Matter marching, which was uh, that if you were out there marching, that meant you were anti-Trump, right? This was this was always kind of danced around. And no, 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 this is for anybody. And you saw it. I saw it. People on Facebook and Twitter, all social media accounts saying this isn't partisan. This isn't about anybody. This isn't about the president or Biden. No, this is about justice. And, the you know, we don't want to make this political. And, you know, why is it so difficult for Republicans to just, you know, not join us in these efforts? Because we all knew what this was really about, actually, which now they admit At least this guy for Charlotte Agenda admits that if you were marching and chanting back in June, then the not so subtle message was you're voting against Donald Trump. So now they're all upset and they're like shocked that, oh, my gosh, here we were thinking you were our ally. You were going to vote against Donald Trump because you were marching with us. And then what? You went and voted for Donald Trump. I can't believe it. As autumn settled in, Black Lives Matter and We Believe signs popped up in yards throughout Myers Park. Many were soon accompanied by Biden-Harris displays. You'd have to search pretty hard to find an open Trump-Pence supporter. And then came Election Day. In most of the precincts around Myers, by the way, this is one of the problems when you use yard signs as some sort of uh, talisman or indicator uh, of support. I mean, generally, it's not. Although I will say the Speaker of the House, Tim Moore, made a comment to me a couple about a month ago when I was talking with him about this very thing. And he said, yard signs in people's yards, those can indicate support. But if they're just in the right of way on the street, not so much. Okay, so in most of the precincts around Myers Park and Eastover, uh, that's another area next door, Trump's numbers actually improved over his 2016 margin. In fact, Precinct 8, whose map traces the protest route, was one of the few Mecklenburg precincts to go from blue in 2016 to red in 2020. So this is interesting, too. So this area goes for Trump now, and this one precinct went for Hillary in 2016, and then it flips. But this is the precinct where the march walked right through this this precinct. So what are we what are we assuming here that? What, the protest marched through there, so all the people that were in the protest march were all from that precinct? That's weird. That's a, that, that's kind of a silly assumption. No, maybe, maybe they're not making that assumption. I'm just, I'm trying to see the angles here. Like, why would you think that simply because the route went through this area that they would then be supportive of the cause? Because honestly, when Black Lives Matter shows up in a neighborhood and they march through that neighborhood, it's kind of an aggressive act. You, you know that? It, it's... It's meant as a thumb in the eye. It's meant as a, you know, we see you rich people because th- that's where they're doing this. I mean, that these these types of marches, right? I'm not uh, I'm not talking about like the ones that end up in the rioting and looting and all that in downtown districts. But when these when the when the BLM folks and the Antifa folks, when they go out into neighborhoods, they tend to go into the neighborhoods where the rich people are. And this has been a tactic for several months. So I'm not clear what I'm supposed to discern 
what relevance it's I'm supposed to discern from the fact that the 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 parade goes through this precinct and then it flips. Unless, of course, maybe your march made it flip. You guys consider that. <laughs> I don't think they have, actually. The article hadn't. The article chalks it up as they were racist. They were just lying to us the whole time. They were pretending that they were, you know, down with our cause. And then as soon as uh, the march was over, they went right back to being racist. Okay, well, I guess that is a potential explanation. Then you got all of these racists living in Myers Park that all voted for Hillary Clinton and then and then turned around and voted for Donald Trump rather than Joe Biden, who I'm pretty sure you might want to check me on this. I think he's white, though. Yeah, I think he's white. So uh, rather than vote for the white woman or sorry. Yeah. So more people voted for the white woman in this precinct uh, than the white guy. And then when it was a white guy versus white guy, they voted for the white guy over this other white guy. And now they're racist for that, I guess, or something. Anyway, Trump won 51 percent of the precinct. That, that's what we're talking about, 51%. That's up from 43 in the same precinct in 2016. So it wasn't exactly a landslide. He picked up more support. But guys, is it possible that your efforts to shame people and intimidate people through your protest march through their neighborhood, do you think maybe that that might have backfired? Because that's what a lot of people were warning you that some of your tactics were doing. Just throwing it out there, just spitballing. Um, here's something uh, I'm going to throw out there. It's a phone number. It's for Rowena Patton. Here it is, 333-4483. You knew that, though. Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team, they get houses sold quickly and for more money. She outsells 99% of the realtors in the entire state of North Carolina. She is the only agent that I would use to sell a house. Uh, first, though, I have to buy one. And so we're using her for that, too. Christy and I are getting ready to do just that. We're buying our house. It's actually getting built. Um it's in a development, and so we are uh, we're waiting for it to get built. But we used Rowena for that, and she told us all sorts of issues to be on the lookout. Like she walked around the, the the neighborhood with us and looked at some of the homes, and you look at the finishes, and you look at what's available, and she tells us questions that we need to have answered before we uh, sign on the dotted line. You know, so give her a call, put it to work for you, buying or selling three 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 forty four eighty three mountainhomehunt.com and start packing. Back to the Charlotte Agenda story here. Um, this is from Marcy McClanahan, a white Myers Park resident and chairperson of the Board of Deacons of Myers Park Baptist Church. So the, the church where this guy is a preacher. She says, I think about my friends whose houses we walked past. And in the back of my head, I think they still voted for Trump. It's very difficult thing to reconcile, she says. Well, why don't you ask them? Right? Why don't you ask your friends? You said these are your friends. So why don't you talk to your friends about this? Maybe what you're going to say, they're going to say, oh, no, I voted for Joe Biden. And then what you're going to be like, they're just lying. I know they're lying because they Trump got 51 percent. So like, do you know 51 percent of all the voters in this precinct? Here's another thing. Is it possible that the people who marched in this protest back in June through this area of town, is it possible that a lot of them can't vote? Because they're too young? Because Myers Park has a lot of, you know, young white uh, students. There are a couple schools there, Myers Park being one of them, but there are a bunch of schools there. And so it's possible, I'm just throwing this out there, that maybe a lot of the people that were in that march couldn't actually vote, but their parents could. Okay? A lot of closet conservatives, though, According to Pat McCrory, former governor, former mayor of Charlotte, he's been a, a resident of Myers Park for 30 years. 
which is funny. He's actually got like the smallest house. <laughs> he's always had the smallest house while everybody else was blowing theirs up into McMansions and stuff. I know because like I would go and interview him on the front porch of his house. And he always had, you know, it's a modest house. It was an old house that he got. And uh, everybody else around him, you know, they've got huge mansions and stuff. Um, but he says you didn't see Republican signs or Trump signs for fear of backlash from PC police. It's just not worth it, which is a sad commentary. It's uh, it's at many people's work, places of worship, and in your neighborhood. You keep your heads down, and sometimes, sadly, it's best not to converse in political discussion and hope that those on the left don't engage you in verbal assaults. So I think this is important because what the left sees this as is embarrassment. I'm going to come back to that. They see this as that they're embarrassed by the votes rather than afraid of you, lefties. People are afraid of what you're going to do when you find out that they have a different opinion, because if they have a different opinion, you might, you know, protest in their neighborhood right in front of their house. You might uh, erect signs in front of their house, like we saw here in Asheville, where the Antifa people uh, and the Black Lives Matter people put up big signs in the mayor's yard and the city manager's yard. I mean, the city manager, who is the first African-American city manager, they put it up in her yard. They targeted her because she's not doing enough for Black Lives Matter. Okay. Um, Myers Park Baptist Church has a long, uh, long been a progressive church, as I mentioned, in a conservative neighborhood. Um, the Sunday after, which is, I kind of find this to be funny. Like, I don't know if it's technically a conservative neighborhood, like Myers Park. No, it's, it's limousine liberal kind of neighborhood. But I mean, there are, yes, it's when you compare it to the rest of the city. Yes, it's, I guess, more conservative <laughs> than Charlotte at large. Uh, Sunday after the 2016 election. So two months. Uh, so this is the Sunday after the 2016 election and two months after the Keith Lamont Scott shooting. This church invited to speak. William Barber. Mm-hmm. His Moral Monday effort was a weekly protest against the North Carolina legislature and the McCrory administration for advancing voter ID laws and not expanding Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act. Of course, that's what the Charlotte Agenda calls it. Uh, the Moral Monday movement was way more than that. In fact, their price tag would have bankrupted the state of North Carolina. It was like $30 billion or something, all of their asks or demands. Uh, that Sunday... In 2016, after the election, a couple days or a couple months after the the riots over the Keith Lamont Scott shooting, this was five days after Trump's election. William Barber uh, was setting the progress. The setting was the Progressive Myers Park Baptist Church. In 2007, the North Carolina Baptist Convention had booted this church out because it allowed gay and lesbian members. But even there, even at this church, people were not prepared for what Barber would say. He was scheduled to speak for just a few minutes, but he talked for 90. <laughs> Uh, classic William Barber. Uh, next up, Boswell, the preacher there, almost immediately after the speech, started conjuring ways to have conversations about race among his congregation. But the very next night, Boswell found himself in a very different setting, one with the deacons of his church. They were looking at him, their young pastor, and they wanted answers. Quote, People stood up and said it was horrible, he told me of the deacon's reaction to William Barber's address. They said it was a political message. <gasps> no, William Barber with a political message? That's crazy. No, it's not. That's who Barber is. 
That's who the left is. This is their religion. Politics and religion are the same. They are the same. So, of course, William Barber came to a church and gave an overtly political and politicizing message. Of course he did. The relationship between Trump and white supremacy for Boswell, the preacher, he says it's clear. Uh, And it goes beyond the president's, you know, both sides comments after Charlottesville, which, of course, if you're listening to this show, you know that that's a leftist lie. Or uh, words on far right organizations like the Proud Boys, which, again, that like if that's what you're hanging your hat on as to why he's a racist, uh, I'm not sure how the hat is actually hanging at this point. Uh, In his course and in his messages from the pulpit, Boswell drills far deeper into race than that. The class isn't for open racists, he says. It's actually targeted at white progressives who believe they are not racist. (laughs) This is the white fragility approach. That's what he's doing. Come in, white leftists. Come in and learn how you are irredeemably racist. You were born a racist and you'll never be anything other than a racist. And we know this is so because the color of your skin. And by the way, me saying that doesn't make me a racist. Marcy McClanahan, the white woman, the chairperson of the deacons at the Myers Park Baptist Church, um, she participated in the protest in June, uh, and then she went through anti-racism training for seven weeks in the fall. She's taken the mission of the training and tried to apply it uh, with the friends from the neighborhood. She says that she believes these are the people that voted for Trump, um, but few want to say that they voted for Trump, she says. (laughs) I wonder why she shows up in your neighborhood. She shows up at your door and be like, hey, friend, so did you vote for Trump? Because if you did, I think you should take this anti-racism training. I mean, I took it and I didn't even vote for Trump, but you should you totally benefit from this anti-racism training. She says it's almost as if we saw that day of the protest that was a, a neighborhood coming out as allies for the movement, but not allies in reality. If you're too embarrassed to talk about who you voted for, should you have voted for them? Once again... It may not be embarrassment. It might be fear of you. Just spitballing. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. We'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.